When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. What's going on, everyone? Taylor Kyles here for CLNS Media, bringing you a Patriots Monday mailbag that's actually on Monday for a change. This power, this podcast is powered by our friends at FanDuel. More from them later. But, Mike, it was a pretty busy week last week for the Patriots. Not only did we have the whole Bill Belichick saga, then immediately followed by the Gerard Mayo saga, but we also got some more news regarding some of the things that are going on with the staff. So to formally introduce, this is Mike Cadlick, CLNS family member. You all Hi. know him. You all love him. We're going to be answering your questions. But first, we've got to get to some of the news that broke, especially today. We heard some things. So one, Albert Breer had a whole breakdown talking about things that are going on across the league. But there were a lot of interesting nuggets for the Patriots. And obviously, the Gerard Mayo era has started we got news in terms of general manager. They're probably going to stay internal. Um, it, it's looking like the process is going to be run uh, by Matt Groh, director of player personnel. And then you've got Elliot Wolf, who is in charge of scouting. So it seems like Elliot Wolf's probably going to be in charge of the draft. Then you're going to have Matt mm-hmm. Groh handling free agents. Unorthodox, still not sure if they're going to find a GM or not. But another availability that we heard about was the offensive coordinator spot. So not only is Bill O'Brien not locked in for next season, although he is under contract, it is said that it's probably going to be, at least this is what Albert Breer was assuming, based on what he's heard from inside the building, is that it's going to be a wide-open search. Now, yesterday we heard Josh McDaniels was linked to the team. Obviously, again, Bill O'Brien. We also heard about some other names. So first, I want to know what your thoughts were on some of the stuff that we've heard today, and especially with the offensive coordinator position. Do you think or would you be happy with them bringing in somebody we're familiar with, like McDaniels or an O'Brien, or would you like to see them go outside of the building? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, Taylor, thanks for having me on. I appreciate oh, yeah. it. Happy to be with you. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, so I look at I look at the wording and how they're doing the OC search. And then I know that we're going to get to it in a second, but the defensive coordinator search here that we're getting, you know, that's going underway as well. I find it almost uh, maybe funny is the word interesting, not so much backwards, but Mm. when they did their head coaching hiring, they said no external search. We're keeping Mm. it in house and we're not even going to put somebody up against our internal candidate to try and see what we like better. Mm. We're just going Gerard Mayo, no variable, no Harbaugh, no Ben Johnson. We like our guy. But for the other positions, a.k.a. offensive coordinator, they have one under contract, just like mm-hmm. they had a head coach under contract in Gerard Mayo. But they're still going to wide open the search, and they're still going to allow Bill O'Brien to interview for the job. So I, I kind of looked at the the head coach thing, and I was like, oh, well, if they if they look outside and they give the job to Mayo, it's kind of like a, a backhanded compliment. Like, well, we didn't like anyone better than you, so we're going to keep you. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I feel what could happen with Bill O'Brien here because the way Breer worded it was, I think the way it said anyway, was that he was going to get an interview. And so they're mm-hmm. going to they're gonna interview their current offensive coordinator for the offensive coordinator position. So I, I don't know how that works. Um, I guess – to answer your question about if I would like an internal person like him or McDaniels versus an outside candidate, 
I've said it, and I said it when the McDaniel stuff started to kind of rumble, even last week before Bill got before they parted ways with Bill, where mm-hmm. McDaniel's is not a great is not a good head coach. He he's not a great culture builder. People don't really gravitate towards him as like a CEO head coach, but he is a good offensive coordinator, and he's proven that time and time again every time he comes back here. And mm-hmm. he's able to work with quarterbacks and get the most out of them. Like we saw him get the most out of Mac Jones in when they were here or when he was here in his rookie year. Then he went on and Mac, you know, did his thing. So I half joke, half kind of seriously posted when the McDaniels thing came out that, look, maybe he can even come back and fix Mac. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's going to be his prerogative or if he's going to want to do, you know, work with somebody else. But long story short, he's a good OC, so I wouldn't hate that hire. I also wouldn't hate uh, O'Brien coming back, but I wonder how that works. Again, like I said, if they do a wide open search versus, you know, just, you know, if they do a wide open search and then bring him back, that kind of looks backwards. But I also kind of like the idea of going completely out of, out of house. You know, you look at guys like Shane Waldron in Mm -hmm. Seattle, who is going to be off their staff because uh, Pete Carroll got fired and maybe they, you know, they keep him around, but like guys like that new age, you know, completely like does McDaniels an offense work. Yeah. But it's a little bit stale and, kind of want to maybe bring someone in who you're going to pair with a new quarterback. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see what happens. But at the end of the day, I do like the term wide open here. And I do think it's worth exhausting your options and not just keeping it in-house with Bill O'Brien with, without even looking at another candidate. That's fair. And you mentioned, just so we're clear, when it comes to the Gerard Mayo situation and the offensive coordinator situation, Gerard Mayo was someone who they had in their contract. Like he is going to be the successor. Right. Yep. So that was one of those where I have seen, to be fair, people, you know, we're going to get to one of these questions later where people have been saying, well, weren't they kind of fast with the Mayo thing? And just again, we're going to go into more detail later, but he was their plan for head coach. So, you know, with that being said, there's still a vacancy at defensive coordinator because he was their de facto DC offensive coordinator. Again, because it's a new era, I think it makes sense that they don't want to force him to keep Bill O'Brien around. I've said I think it's a raw deal because Bill O'Brien came into a a situation that he clearly wasn't happy with. Now, whether it was because, you know, he couldn't bring his own coaches, that wasn't confirmed whether or not he actually could or could not. But clearly it was a mismatched staff. And then when it came to personnel there, as we heard, there were reports that he had some issues with the talent that he was given. Uh, But like you said, Josh McDaniels, we know his track record in New England. You know, he it's harder when he's away from Brady, to be fair. Like, obviously, I had really good oh, Mac right. Jones, but a lot of his success has come from just being, like, you know, locked in when it came to Brady. So that's a different situation. And if they want to go outside, they can still get guys with Patriots ties. You've got Nick Cayley, who joined the Rams in a lateral move because he was a tight ends coach for the Patriots for years. Yep. But I think he wanted to be promoted. Instead, it was Matt Patricia for offense coordinator in 2022. That was a big reason. He moved on. Zach Robinson. And I don't blame him for that. No, absolutely. You get passed up by a defensive coordinator. See you later. I am that was out a bad of move. I think it was reported. Also, yeah. people weren't happy about that inside the building. But another report yeah. with me, so I'm not going to lean on that. But uh, you've also got Zach Robinson, who's drafted by the Patriots. He's their passing game coordinator over there for LA. You also have Wes Welker who we know that Belichick never got on good terms with, so there was never a chance he was going to be on their staff. But obviously, wide receivers coach for Miami, that's the offense that everyone's trying to copy right now. So two of the more advanced offenses, the ones that we consider more up to speed with the modern NFL, there are still people with Patriots ties, so it will be interesting if Mayo wants to bring back somebody because he's familiar with Kaylee, he's familiar with Wes. I'm not so sure how familiar he is with Zach Robinson necessarily, but interesting names to look out for. Another one, this is a coaching name that's actually been confirmed to have been with the Patriots, Tim Lukabu. He interviewed for their defensive coordinator position, which is actually pretty interesting because we also heard that Steve and Brian Belichick were offered to stay 
into the future with New England rather than it just being assumed as we thought that they would probably go with their dad. Now, it's interesting because Steve has worked closely with Mayo all the way going back to his playing days. When Steve was an assistant, Mayo had had uh, season-ending injuries or significant injuries in, I think it was 2013, 2014, and 2015. So he yep. worked and watched a lot of film with Steve. Now, fast forward, Gerard Mayo becomes de facto defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. Steve, while Mayo was a coach, he was with the safeties. I think that was his last year with safeties. Then he transitioned to be co-linebackers coach with Mayo, and he became the play caller while Mayo was the coordinator. So there's a lot of deep connection there. If you assume they're so close, it could we could end up seeing that Steve becomes the coordinator with Mayo now being the head coach, and obviously Brian maybe stays with the safeties. But this situation with Tem, he interviewed and satisfies the Rooney rule. So he gives them their one external minority outside candidate. It could be a situation like we saw with Adrian Clem, where he came in last season for a head coaching opportunity, but really it was to see if he wanted to be the offensive line coach. So what are your thoughts on Tim, uh, his background? I can go into that more, but whatever you know that you thought was interesting. And also, do you think he really is interviewing for the coordinator job, or do you think it's a Clem situation where, yeah, we probably already have our coordinator, but we'd like to bring you in as insurance or to potentially take over a role that's vacant right now? Yeah, I look at it um... – I look at it similar to the, the offensive coordinator situation where, okay, we have an internal candidate right now in Steve Belichick who, as reported, like you said, by Breer, that uh, you know Steve, Steve will have an opportunity to come back. I kind of think that might mean that he'll have an opportunity to come back and interview as the defensive coordinator. And so mm-hmm. um, it sort of feels like an open an open thing just like the OC position is. And so, like you said, Lukabu, um, Lukabu, I don't know how to say it, but Tem, it, Tem Lukabu is <laughs> – is uh he he was the defensive coordinator at BC for for a couple of years under Jeff Hafley so local ties there I know that um I know the Patriots staff has always sort of been close with BC they they go to their practices a lot and kind of help and work and learn from them so uh, I'm sure there's a connection there uh, and then obviously he goes to to be the outside linebackers coach for the Panthers um, I'm sure he's worked closely even though he's a he's an he's an outside linebacker slash defensive end but Brian Burns um, mm-hmm. is a dominant yeah. you know D end OLB for them. Um, he also has a good track record. He worked at Mississippi State. Uh, that's where Montez Sweat came out of and has been, you know, a top a top pick and obviously just got a, a lucrative trade and then contract with the with the Bears. So yep. um, he has a good track record. He's worked with solid people. Uh, I do think they'll give him, you know, a genuine opportunity to, to interview and be the D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wonder at the end of the day how it actually works. And like you said, the Clem situation kind of makes perfect sense where maybe Steve does get the the defensive coordinator role, but um, Luka Boo comes in and works with him sort of like Mayo did, where mm-hmm. they work together in tandem. He's only a linebacker's coach, but he gets an upgrade in pay or he gets an upgrade as a play caller, so yeah. that will entice him to leave Carolina. So um, that's kind of interesting, you know, the, uh, a, an interesting way to look at it too. Um, I don't know if you've looked at this already yet, but what I saw it in the chat and I also saw it on Twitter, um, another Patriots interview request, this time for a special teams coordinator role. Mm. Uh, they're interviewing special teams coach Marquise Williams from the Falcons. Okay, um, I did not actually see that. Was so, that while we were? Yeah, live? I didn't know if you oh. were working. Yeah, that that happened about you know fifth to ten minutes ago. Yeah. So um, they're they're opening up everything here. They're really getting their uh, getting the gears turning on the the coordinator roles, which is good. This is another minority candidate, um, so that would also in theory suffice their Rooney Rule if that's what they're what they're looking to do. Not 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 looking to do here, but that's sort of. Um, ties into that where they're they're expanding the search, they're doing the th- full thorough search. I'm um, going there. He has been their special teams coordinator, mm-hmm. so it would be a lateral move. Um, 
So interesting thought, but they, mm-hmm. they've at least requested that, and that needs to be approved by the Falcons because it is lateral. Right. That is interesting, especially considering the Patriots, even when they got Joe Judge back for their special teams unit, didn't do them a whole lot of good. And then uh, real quick, just to wrap up on Luca Boo, some other stops that he made that were pretty notable. He has some Patriots connections. Actually, he worked for Greg Schiano at Rutgers and for a couple years at Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers. The interesting thing with uh, Schiano is that Schiano was actually supposed to be the defensive coordinator uh, Derod Mayo's first year on the staff back in 2019. He left so he could go work at Ohio State which actually led to Mayo becoming the team's de facto defensive coordinator. And then he and Steve started working together. So that was pretty interesting. He's got obviously the Rutgers connections we already know about. So the Shiano connection, he also worked um, with the 49ers uh, for, I think it was Robert Sala's first year as their defensive coordinator. Um, uh, Luca Boo was a defense quality control coach. He was also linebackers coach with the Bengals under Lou Anarumo, who obviously is a very popular defensive name in the NFL right now. He's done a great job over the past few years, getting them to not only be a playoff team, but really one of the league's better defenses. All right, we've gone over the recent news. We're going to go over your questions, but first, quick word from our friends at FanDuel. We'll be back. Well, the NFL season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's pretty good math, right? That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org/chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, so first, I'm going to go with a super easy question. Who's going to be the Patriots general manager, or how is the front office going to work now that Bill Belichick is gone? What are your thoughts? Because we kind of touched on this with Matt Groh and Elliot Wolf, but we can go into some more detail now. Yeah, um, I mean, reporting-wise, as of right now, it looks like they're not in a rush to hire a true general manager. They might not hire one at all. Um at least according to Phil Perry, he added that nugget that, you know, when everyone was sort of going going rogue and flipping out about the report that they might wait until after the draft, Phil even added that they might not hire one at all. So 
Um, right now, it sounds like Elliot Wolf, Matt Grow are sort of going to head up the personnel department right now and see where it goes with input from Gerard Mayo. So mm-hmm. that's that's what it's going to look like. I don't know if post-draft they do end up hiring an, an additional executive, but look, I'm going to be honest, and I know we were texting about it you know, earlier this weekend like, mm-hmm. and to kind of to kind of calm down about it, but I, I don't know. I don't like I don't like the idea of this already happening. Like, look, on one hand, I get that you know they've done the work and in firing, firing, moving on from Bill Belichick as uh, head coach, you weren't really firing him as head coach. You were firing him as general manager. Mm-hmm. You're taking away his final say and empowering your scouting and you know personnel department that much more. So, when looking at it through that lens, I understand. You know what? They've done the work. Let's give them a chance to actually run the thing. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, they were still working with Bill and they ultimately were still scouting guys like, you know, Tyquan Thornton. And, you know, like, look at whether, whether Bill Belichick was the one who gave the green light on the Tyquan pick versus, you know, X, Y, and Z, or if everyone keeps going now to Puka Nakua or, or instead of Chad Ryland, like things like that. Like those are the questions we'll never ultimately get answered. I know that, it was reported. I forget what expose story hit, hit on the fact that they didn't like AJ Brown and Debo Samuel because they were joking around together in their meeting. And Nikhil Harry was all ball, and he was mm-hmm. friends with Herm Edwards, so that's why he took Nikhil. But like, that's the kind of stuff that it's like, if Gro and Wolf were telling him to take AJ Brown and they didn't, fine, I'll let them head up the scouting department. But if they're also the guys that are kind of banging on the table, like, no, let's take Cole Strange at twenty nine. I don't know if I like that. So it's almost like if you're going to clear house and fire your general manager, let's do a full search and bring someone else in. And and I know it's jumping the ship and I know it's kind of like harping on something for maybe no reason. But look, I just think that this is the all hands on deck, blow it up type off season where you have the third overall pick, you have all the cap space. Like maybe let's look external and get someone in here to run the operation immediately so that a guy like Jonathan Kraft or even Robert Kraft can't step in and be, you know, the meddler that they don't want to be. So that's kind of my take on it. I, I don't know what you think, but that's that's my thoughts on the GM search or lack thereof. I, I mean, the thing is, it's unconventional, and that's why I understand that people are not happy with it. Exactly. I also think that it's odd not having a direction. Like, okay, so you're either putting Gerard Mayo because it was said that he's going to have significant input. So I'm assuming sure. that me, Gerard, is going to set the foundation for what he wants the franchise to be. I'm sure that the Crafts are trying to set him up to have some, maybe not the same as Belichick, but I think, you know, considering they know he has this experience in business and, you know, they want the organization to kind of be through his vision, I do think that he, maybe not final say, but they're going to start looking and drafting towards whatever his mentality is. Now, I think it also helps if you have someone who he doesn't have to have so much of that responsibility thrust on him, and that's why – it's interesting where they're going to go because, yeah, you hire a general manager where he and Gerard have the same vision, but Gerard doesn't necessarily have to worry as much. And that is just that one person's specific goal, whereas his is to set the tone for the organization while still focusing more on coaching. But again, he's also been involved in business ventures and things that aren't just football. So I think right. if there's anyone to give that kind of responsibility or input to, it's him. Uh, but they even said they didn't give Belichick full control until the third year and he earned it. I'm sure they're not right. rushing to put a lot on Mayo's plate, just maybe what he can handle and what they've already previously discussed. Now, So I wonder, like, who is ultimately going to have final say here when it's all set? Like, right now, who that's, is the, that's the where, lead man? And that's what I wonder, and that's what I don't – I don't like not knowing that. Yeah, like, I agree. It just, I, don't, I, agree. I don't – it seems very murky right now, and I don't like that. I think it's going to be grow for free agency. 
And I think it's going to be Wolf for the draft. Now, I also think it's going to be a collaborative effort. And what do we keep hearing from Mayo? Like, I'm going back to stuff that he's been saying for years. Like, he is good with collaborative effort. He always talks about how he can work with all these different types of people and the culture. Like, these are things he's been thinking about for a long time. I actually even watched a video where it was talking about um, they were interviewing him, and he wasn't a player, but he was doing business. And he said that if the Patriots ever, like, got blown up, it would be kind of like a business case study. And he's a businessman. I'm sure that he's literally studying what's been going wrong for them. So I think that, again, it's going to be a collaborative effort where these guys are going to try to get on the same page. The scary part is that can go wrong so easily for you. That's what I was just going to say, Taylor, is like, okay. It's a lot of chefs. It's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. A lot of cooks in the kitchen. And then when something goes wrong, they're going to use the word collaborative to their advantage and everybody's going to go like this. This is not mine. So it's almost like you need to have one person who is ultimately responsible. Because like even – we all knew Belichick had final say, but then over the last couple of seasons, he's been, they've used this word collaborative and they've allowed, you know, more cooks in the kitchen. And he said it on like, I think he said it on the Greg Hill show on EEI a couple months ago. Like, well, no, I can't do that all on my own. I need help. But if you don't know exactly what's going on in, you know, in personnel and then you have final say, or do you have final say? Like it, it, it got murky and that's when all the fingers started to get pointed and nobody really knows who is, you know, the lead man in charge. So that's why whether you name a general manager or not, it's almost like you need one single point person to be able to take in all the information and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And here's Mm -hmm. why. And again, I I do think that's, and I struggle to say this because I don't know. Again, they they said they don't want to give Mayo like too much control or the final say does have to be earned, but they also have had Wolf and grow and Mayo in their building for a long time. And I'm sure like they already started incorporating Mayo into the personnel side last off season when it was decided that he was going to, so he's been in on, on these meetings so again, it's 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 such a risk, especially on the outside, because we don't know how these guys work together. And it is nerve wracking to be like, all right, there is just the chance for like one if one person doesn't agree with the entire ship and they're not, you know, really mature about it. And they're like, all right, you know, sometimes you just take your L's, you're wrong. If it's like best two out right. of three, you know, it is what it is. But you definitely hope that they either trust Gerard Mayo to be like, yes, I think this guy fits our culture, the culture I'm trying to set. Or he doesn't. But, I mean, I agree. There's there's plenty of reason to be skeptical and worried about what's going on right mm-hmm. now in terms of the general manager position. But I also think when it comes to strictly general manager, they don't use the title anyway. So, like, just right. to be very honest about that, it's not necessarily the general manager part. It's having someone with a title who is like, this is who I answer to. Because right now, technically, right. that's grow. But if Elliot Wolf is going to be in charge of the drafting, then it's like, okay, well, is Wolf is, is Grow okay with um, with uh, Wolf taking the lead on that? That's where right. you know it, you have to have a very selfless approach, which is easy to preach, and then, but not as easy to execute. And then you look at it too. It's like, okay, if someone's in charge of pro personnel and someone's in charge of college personnel, but they have different visions of what kind of personnel they want for their scheme. It's like you draft these guys, but then you bring in guys or trade for guys or whatever, or sign guys that don't fit the mold. And then you have two groups of people. Like if you just need to make sure they're all on the same page is basically what I'm getting at. And so that's why collaborative is good, but can also kind of, you know, kick in the behind as well. And at the same time, like any organization does have a care, an archetype that they like, like I'm it's right. not like these guys are going no, that's in fair. where they're having different meetings. Like they're having, these are collaborative, again, collaborative. I'm using the word, but it's true because every organization has a vision. 
the where mm-hmm. it gets tricky is when you don't have one person, which we don't know who it is on the outside. We think it's Mayo, but we could also it could also kind of shift depending on what's going on. So, I mean, I don't want to keep beating the dead horse. I feel like we're starting to go in right. circles, but it, right. it's 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 that's because it's interesting. We really don't know, and I think we're just going to have to wait and see. But still, at the very least, it is going to be interesting to see how much of an effect Bill had on their evaluation and and their process and actually acquiring players, because we don't know how much of it was not wanting to bring Jacoby back instead of being like, Oh, let's go for Juju. How much of it was, if we're being very honest, Bill's ego maybe getting in the way and being like, no, I can draft three defensive players early on. Like all of the things where you look and you say, these were like, franchise-altering mistakes with Nikhil Harry, uh, with even Mohamed Sanu, uh, with the uh, mm-hmm. defensive players early, with the Cole Strange and Taekwon Thornton, which was reported that Matt Patricia was heavily involved. And if, we're, if we know Belichick, he probably let Matt Patricia have more of a say than his go. scouts. And then the reports also that scouts are leaving or they felt that they were unheard, which we were hearing from multiple people. Like, this isn't news that's being reported. I keep seeing people kind of phrase it as, like, the crafts are just going on this whole, like, um, they're trying to make craft or they're trying to make Bill look bad and yeah they're all covering their behinds right and even if even if you want to say that's true where are you pointing and saying that's false because a lot of what's being reported sounds like stuff that bill would do or that we've already known bill has done it's now it's just we're getting everything because it's over why are people going to wait to report on these things they're going to give you all the information they have on why the era ended so yeah i mean weird situation again but we're one of those where i think we're just going to have to wait and see and we'll know by free agency whether they're in the going in the right direction based on what kind of guys they acquire like walk etc and although, and we'll we'll move on after this. I know, like you said, we've been beating this one in, but uh, like it's funny how this is supposed to be the you know tight knit, tight lipped media. Nobody talks to anybody, and then the second the guy who runs that operation is here, all the leaks start coming out. And I get it. Like you're right. It's not like they're wrong. It's not like they're saying things that are false. It's just funny that you know now ownership side is clearly spilling all the secrets about what actually went wrong and trying to take the blame off themselves. But I digress. Let's go on to the next one. Clean break. All right. No Bill Belichick coaching tree hire has worked out as a head coach. Does promoting Gerard Mayo without any competitive interviews seem like a solid strategy to you? I'll take this one first because I think he's a very different candidate than what the Belichick tree usually produces. One, the Belichick tree usually doesn't consist of people who played in the league. That's Mm -hmm. a big part because the issue that all the Belichick candidates have their fall off is they try to be bill. They don't Mm -hmm. understand how to relate to players and very quickly the locker room flips and it's like, well, we're not good immediately. And you put us through all that crap and you talked all this big game and it's not showing up on the field. And you can tell me to buy in, but you don't have the rings that Bill has. I don't have to listen to you. I'm a grown ass man. You know, some of these guys end up going away to college then they come back to the league and they're like, whoa, I can't treat these kids like they're in college because college kids are on scholarship. They need to listen to you. Another thing, one of the only candidates uh, or, or people on the Belichick tree that shook loose and had some level of success consistently was Brian Flores. A big part of him having success was the fact that he related to players. Being yep. black, I'm sure, had a pretty significant part to do with that because players will say it. If you ask them about certain coaches, especially black coaches, they often say that it's nice having a coach who looks like me because sometimes there's just certain – there are certain ways you speak to people, especially like, you know, people from certain backgrounds, like we saw with Bill O'Brien, where you start, you know, using the wrong kind of language, or you just don't understand how to communicate in yep. the right way. And then it turns into, all right, we've got problems because I don't feel like you're respecting me. And it's just because they have very shared life experiences. So especially with Mayo having experience outside of football, it's not all football for him. He's actually gone to a business. Uh, he has a business background where he 
had to interact with people from different, you know, he always says black, white, old, young, whatever. So yep. I do think that he's set up to succeed much better. One, having been in the position where, yes, you learn from Belichick, both as a player who got, you know, I'm sure there were plenty of things that Bill did that he didn't like as a player that he can learn from, then seeing it as a coach, and also having all the knowledge of all the people who have worked under Bill, gone somewhere else, and failed. So I think Gerard Mayo is a very different situation. And I don't think they, you know, I understand how it can seem rushed, but this was a plan. This was the Belichick. I mean, the Kraft family has known Gerard Mayo since he was 23 years old. Right. They been they got him into business. I think the only time they maybe weren't, you know, as tight knit was when he was in media. Right. So this is not someone that, you know, they've seen from afar. They've literally watched him start a family, go through different ventures. So I, I don't think it was as much of a knee-jerk reaction as some of the reaction makes it out to be. Mm-hmm. I think this is a calculated, albeit a risk for sure, definitely a risk, but one that I think they did, they took their time, thought it through, and I think it's a good move, just one, you know, we're going to have to wait and see how it goes. So I'm with you. I don't think it was knee-jerk. I don't think – I do think they did box themselves into it, you know, adding this to their – to his contract last offseason and saying this is the succession plan. But I don't necessarily think that is ultimately a bad thing. Like they knew what they wanted and they made it happen. And they said, nope, this is what we want. We don't care who's out there. We want you to be our next guy and we're going to put it in writing. Here it goes. The thing hits the fan. We got to do it a year early. They thought they were probably going to get two years out of Bill, set the record right after the sunset, and then turn Mayo yep. in. That wasn't the case. But to sign him to that, uh, you know, that contract clause last offseason, clearly this is what they wanted. So while they did box themselves into it, it is, you know, this was their plan. Um, is it a solid strategy? That's going to have to remain to be seen because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, when we were on here last week before, uh, I forget what day it was. It was, I think it was before Bill ended up getting, you know, before they parted ways, but I, it was, uh, I think it was after Vrabel got fired. It was that night. And what I said was I would go for Vrabel and, mm-hmm. you know, I would I, like, I have a hard time thinking that Vrabel would be a bad hire as well. Like, I think that would be great. Absolutely. And I've said it and I was on time, but again, if, like Kraft had Kraft was convicted. He he was convinced or convicted in hiring Bill. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he was convicted right of anything. Right. I don't no, think he was convicted he, of any crimes. Kid, he almost was. Uh, convinced <laughs> Bill. <laughs> he, was con- he was convinced that Belichick was his guy, and he said it before he hired Pete Carroll. Like he talked about it last week. He regretted not doing it the first time. So I don't think he wanted to go back on it now with Mayo and you know, look and think the grass is always greener because maybe it's not always greener. So this mm-hmm. is what they wanted. Is it going to work? We will obviously see. We, we have, you know, he has plenty of time. I, I don't know, but is it a good hire? Yes, he relates to players. You said it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talked about it. You know, they, they've said it. Mac Wilson, like, it was funny. Thursday night, Mac Wilson was tweeting about, you know, Bill Belichick leaving and he was upset <laughs> that Bill was leaving. And then the second it seemed like Mayo was going to be the guy, he was all for it. Like, oh, we yep. want Mayo. So... Look, if the players what are a roller coaster of emotions for him, Saban, right. yeah. Bill, Mayo. <laughs> yeah, like, and again, that's ultimately what matters, especially as what they want him to be sort of a leader of men, a CEO, a guy who can tell others what to do in a way that, like, Josh McDaniels, frankly, doesn't because yeah. people don't, you know, respect it. And so I, I think it's going to be a good hire. Um, we'll see what happens. And I, was it irresponsible to not look outside the organization? I don't know, but. They box themselves in, and that's the decision they made. So it's going to be up to them and w- whether or not that works or not. Yeah. And, I again, I, I understand how it can be frustrating that they didn't even 
go and see what else was out there. 100%. But again, this is someone who's been in their building for a very long time. Right. And if there's one thing that crafts do pretty well, it's spot talent. <laughs> they don't have per- Their track record is pretty stellar. Now, Belichick yeah. gave them a long time where they didn't have to, you know, we don't know what it's like in recent history, but right. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt until proven wrong, especially because, I mean, on paper, Gerard Mayo is an excellent literally his first year as a coach he was designated the defensive coordinator right even D'Amico Ryan started out as a quality control coach like he even took a couple years before he was a linebackers coach several years before he was a defensive yeah. coordinator. and even a guy like Pete Carroll like yeah okay Pete Carroll got fired from New England for all intents and purposes but they still found a good coach it just didn't work here like he went on to win a national title at USC he went on to you know coach 13 years at Seattle win the Super Bowl so like they do know what it takes to be a head coach, and they've done mm-hmm. it twice. And again, we'll see what it see if it happens a third time. Exactly. All right, moving on. What is the priority going to be this offseason? Bring in new offensive weapons in for agency with the cap space or try to re-sign players like Bunger, Uche, et cetera. It's so funny seeing these. And like I understand why where Uche is listed. And I'm like, if you're gonna mention a couple people, it's gotta be Unwenu, Jennings, and then I feel like Duggar third. Jennings yeah. needs to be at the top of anybody's mentions when we're talking about Patriots free agents. But Jennings has surpassed Uche on that list, I think. Like yeah. it was the, the yeah. big three was on one Duggar Uche. And now I think Jennings has made himself in and I would put him ahead of Uche right now mm-hmm. um, yeah. to answer the question. What's the priority? It better be both. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> this should not be one or the other. You have the cap space. <laughs> you have the number one over or the number three overall pick. Like you need new weapon in free agency. I guess we're talking, but still you can make both happen. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not a huge proponent of the salary cap is completely fake, but if you can bring in a guy who understands and can, you know, manipulate and move money elsewhere, I'm, I'm not a capologist. You should have and uh, Miguel Benzin on to, you know, talk the whole cap and he'll teach you the whole thing. But like, long story short is they need offensive weapons and they need to resign their cornerstone players. They should do both. Um, if you're asking me what should be, take priority, I would say offensive weapons because they sort of filled in the defense in the draft last year. So like. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I guess it doesn't work too well here with, you know, the guys listed, but like Keon White should step up and Marte Mapu should step up and Christian Gonzalez is going to be here. I know Gonzalez and Duggar don't play the same, the same role, but as defensive core pieces, if you do lose, lose those guys, the young guys can step up where on mm-hmm. offense you have like virtually nothing. You need wide receivers, you need tight end or tight ends. Yeah, you do. And you need uh, offensive tackles here. So number one needs to be offense because last year's priority uh, was the defense. And now without Belichick, I think Mayo probably understands that the offense needs a lot of help and that should be everybody's number one priority heading into March. Yeah, I agree. I think so if I'm prioritizing, I would say at the top of the list should be resign and Wenu, resign Jennings. Like I think those are the two most important moves you make because one, we know on Wenu, whether you get more tackle depth, like yep. my dream scenario would be them probably signing Jonah Williams for me over Trent Brown. Because, you know, again, Mayo keeps talking about culture, and I don't know if Trent's one of those guys that you want to retain, even though if he's motivated, he's playing well, and I'm sure nobody's really going to care how he acts. But if we're talking, you know, building strong character in this uh, new organization, I think you bring back in Wenu. He's proven it. He's worked hard for you. Jennings, 
Yep. You know, balled out. And yeah, he's not a pass rusher, but if you're racking up negative plays, you are a huge asset. I don't care if it's first down, second down, third down, fourth down, what have you. So I think those are the two guys where it's like these are homegrown towns who have played well for us. They had great yep. years and contract years. You reward them. Then I think it becomes okay. Now we start allocating funds to an offensive tackle, uh, like a Jonah Williams. If you want to be on the left or you want to kick and win inside, put him at right and then draft a tackle. That's kind of my dream scenario where I think then you're really set because you have two guys who can really play tackling and when he was in his best spot. Um, and once you get like a tackle, a weapon, if you can get one off the market, that's where I think you go and say, all right, what do we want to do with Duggar? You know, what kind of money is he demanding? What's he going to get on the market? Because honestly, he wasn't great last season. He still makes an impact and, right. you know, he's still a, a, an effective player. But the downside last year, I was just like, he can't be the priority that I thought he should have been. So him and Uche, I think, are kind of that second wave. But, yeah, in terms of re-signing guys, I think Unwenu and also extending Barmore, I'd even put that in there. Like, those would be my top yeah. three things I'd like to get done because uh, Barmore, you got you better pay him soon because that – that money is bar more extensions has to happen the literal second you can do it. That should yeah. be, yeah. I don't care about wide receiver. Number one needs to be <laughs> extending Christian Barmore when it's possible because that dude is probably the best, you know, one of the best players on the Patriots right now. Absolutely. So, yep. So, those are the top three. Take care of your homegrown players who did well for you. Bring in the other guys and then see which of your free agents who really did. Oh, also, Miles Bryant, we can throw him in there, but he's probably going to be like eight, seven million dollar contract. He's not going to make much money so it's kind of he's gonna be a dallas cowboy with phil belichick is what he's gonna be oh he is like, i should on that shouldn't make me feel as bad as it does but like i don't want him to leave i really don't he is the I only know, consistent but... thing in that secondary in terms of like you know he'll play every week and he can do a million different things like him leaving really would scare me well so the the split up of the coaching staff is fascinating because does he mm -hmm. where does pellegrino go and does pellegrino yeah. go with bill does he stay here where like he because he likes miles bryant bill likes miles bryant but steven mayo probably like miles bryant so mm -hmm. the, the the split between that is going to be fascinating but it, he'll be here or wherever bill goes for sure no shortage of conversation topics with this topics with this team. All right, we're gonna get a couple more in here. Um, also, if you guys have any comments that I haven't gotten to, I'll try to answer a couple of these in the chat. So just throw them in there, and I'll make sure we get to them. All right. So since structurally it appears the Crafts are doing little more than running it back just without Bill, what are the odds they pass on drafting a quarterback and try to fix Mac Jones? <laughs> so I like I said earlier, I tweeted this. Uh, I think it was Saturday afternoon. I, I did a nice SpongeBob gif with a with a take grenade and said take cover. But Josh is a good OC and he can fix Mac. Um, or I shouldn't maybe I said maybe he can fix Mac. I don't know if it's possible. Like it, Mac really did get done here, and we we've been proponents of that. Whether it was his own doing or whether it was the coaching staff, it's it's up in the air. But um, I am going to read this question again because since structurally it appears the crafts are doing little more than running it back just without Bill. I see. I think they need – and uh, today I was on WEI and we had Lance Zerline from NFL uh, Network on, and we, we kind of asked him this question on are they going to stick at three? Should they take a quarterback? What should their priority be? And he made a good point, and people don't want to hear it, and it's been floated, but they need more than just a quarterback. Like, yes, quarterback mm -hmm. should be number one but they need more. And so do they trade out of three? Should they trade out of three? Zerline said they should trade out of three. I think there's a, there's a chance they trade out of the number three pick and they move back even three or four spots and grab, call it what Malik neighbors. And then, but then you're, you're missing a quarterback and do you go with Penix and do you go with Knicks? Like it's just, it, 
I've gone back and forth. I've <laughs> wavered on it. Uh, I know it gives you the chills. What would I do? I would take the quarterback. What do I think yeah. the odds are that they pass on drafting a QB? I don't think they'll try and fix Mac Jones, but I think there's a chance they pass on a QB at three and trade back and do something else with the position at some point. God, I would hate that. I think that, I mean, <laughs> so like, I, we'll know. I, oh, God, this is making me nauseous, the thought of them not. Because I really do think that with this high of a pick, you can't miss out. These guys, in one, this isn't like uh, this isn't like a Zach Wilson situation where there's talent, but there's also so many crippling flaws. You're like, ah, this isn't just like he's a talented guy. We'll take him and fix him. These guys feel very different where they have a lot of skills that translate and I think can at least keep them afloat early on in their career as long as they're yeah. supported well. And then you can continue to build on that and refine them. I think that they're closer to that kind of area, especially because like Caleb Williams, he has a pretty big fumble issue and decision-making can be up there, up mm-hmm. and down. But especially Jade Daniels and Drake May have some of the lowest turnover-worthy play rates in the college football, especially FBS. So right. it's not as it, – the problem for the Patriots this year was the turnovers. And with Mac, I don't know if you want to commit after seeing how bad things got for him. I don't – like that's just like ugly that never goes away. He he needs right. years of really good consistent play for me to think that that part of him is never going to come back. So I do think that you're kind of in a position where just because you have such a high pick and you never want to even sniff the top ten again – you have to do something with this. Otherwise you're going to end up having to give capital for like either that entire draft or like years in the future. If you want to get in that kind of area again and with the quarterback position being so valuable and like, that's where you basically start as a franchise. I think it's just too important to let that kind of guy go. Um, Yeah. And I want to add, and I see some comments too, talking about, you know, flipping out that I mentioned Bo Nix. Look, I haven't dug into much of, you know, his tape yet necessarily. Mm-hmm. I am on the 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 wagon that Bo Nix stunk at Auburn, but he really brought himself back at Oregon. He played really good football. Is he going to translate to the NFL? I don't know. What I was doing here was regurgitating what Lance Zerline said, who did watch the Bo Nix tape and said after digging into his tape at Auburn this week, this uh this weekend and from this year, he was very impressed with what he saw. And it, he has moved up his board significantly as a quarterback in this draft. He likes him better than JJ McCarthy, and he likes him better than Michael Penix. So, just regurgitating information here. We'll see what happens ultimately. But that is interesting. And I'll check. Yep. What is this uh, question? I think my fear is how the hell do we build an offensive line that could keep a rookie QB safe without using a first round pick? So, if you really wanted to keep on when you would tackle, you could. I don't think that I would really like him to be at guard because I think that's where he can be his best self. But if you wanted to keep him there, you could also sign Jonah Williams. That gives you a left tackle. He's not a great left tackle, but he's a good left tackle. And that'll get you by. Got good left tackle there and Mike and Wenu. What I would like them to do is sign Jonah Williams to play on the right side and then use a second round mm-hmm. pick because this is a rare class where you could probably get a good tackle, not a good guard who can play some tackle for you, but like a solid, at least developmental tackle who could probably contribute early on at the beginning of the second and end of the first. So you don't have to use your first pick on a tackle, but you can uh, at least use your second pick and try to get back into the first. Obviously, you have to give up a little capital, but what do you think? Uh, I, I think so. I, I look at this and I, I like right now, everybody's talking about the Chicago bears situation with the offensive line and, you know, granted their line's okay, but I keep seeing like, remember that meme when it was Joe Burrow throwing to Jamar chase or Joe Burrow getting sacked and, or Joe Burrow getting sacked and throwing to Jamar chase or having Mm -hmm. Panay Sula in front of him, completing a pass. Like 
everybody talks about, and I agree that I do this too. I put wide receiver in front of offensive line for priority. Mm-hmm. But then I think back and it's like, well, if you can't protect him, then having good weapons doesn't really matter. Does it help when you're getting rushed and you can chuck the ball up to T Higgins instead of X, Y, Z? Yes. But I still, I think offensive line was the crux of all of the problems this year. So I do think that needs to be a top priority without using a first round pick. I'm with you. Like Mike on one who needs to be resigned. You need mm-hmm. to resign him. Whether you play him at guard or tackle, that's up to you and that's up to your personnel department and your, your coaches ultimately, but you do need to keep him here regardless because he's a really good offensive lineman and you already have him in house. And he said he wants to be here. Yep. Um, as far as the depth of the position in the, in the class, um, use a second round pick on a guy. I mean, you can hit on a second round pick at tackle. Mm-hmm. You can trade back into the first round um, if you want to, and not using the three pick, I think is what we're looking at in the comment mm-hmm. here. So don't use the number third pick, number three pick on an offensive lineman, but trade up into the back end of the first and get one if you really need it or you really want them that bad. Like it's possible to sign somebody or to, um, you mentioned Jonah Williams too. It's possible to sign someone in free agency or grab someone outside of the number three overall pick. Yep. I agree with you. Let's see if there's anything else. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, I was, there was one about the GM. I'm not going to make you answer GM questions again. Okay. Um, all right. Here's one that could be fun. I'm not totally sure what it is, but do you have any idea what they need to give up to get the number two pick from Washington? Oh, boy. I'll see. I'll look uh, up the actual like draft calculation formula, um, see if that'll help. I am not sure. I have a hard time believing Washington is going to trade out. I mm-hmm. think Washington is going to trade up. Yeah. I think they want Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is from DC. Um, they want him there. They have a new uh, general manager in Adam Peters who has uh, experience trading up in the draft for none other than Trey Lance when they did that a couple years ago with mm-hmm. San Francisco. He was involved in that whole, that whole thing. So I don't know what it would cost. I mean, if you're getting up to that one or two, it's going to be for a quarterback. They're going to ask for a lot. So you might have to give up next year's first. You might have to give up next year's second. Like, I don't know. You have to look at the trade calculator. Like, yeah. I'm not 100%, you know, privy to this kind of stuff. But if you're getting up to that number two pick, Washington is going to ask for a lot, even if you're just jumping up one spot. Yeah. So basically, you'd have to give up your first, your third your fourth, and then a little bit extra. You'd have to give up multiple picks, especially if you didn't want to give up your high ones. It would be multiple picks. And again, with Washington, I don't think that's even an option. I really think if you want to get to a better spot, you'd probably end up – and that's – okay, so if the Bears would even be willing to trade with Washington or anybody like that, then that's how you know they probably don't want a quarterback. They're probably going to go Marvin Harrison and keep falling back for teams that do want quarterbacks. So, yeah, and then if you wanted the first pick, you'd have to give up your first, your second, your third, I believe your fourth. So you'd have to give up pretty much your yeah, entire draft for which That's a haul. And that's if you wanted like Caleb Williams, which I, I would right. think about it at least because I really do think Caleb is that kind of talent. And I think that there is a significant gap between him and the other guys. But at the same time, as Lance said, that's a lot to give up when you have a lot of other needs at the position. Uh, but it was a good right. question. And uh, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Watch the rest of this. Uh, I guess uh, it's almost a Bills blowout. What's the score right now? I was going to say, I, I don't know. I thought I saw a tweet that Josh Allen went, or someone put it in the chat. Josh Allen went for like an 80-yard run or something, and he didn't slide or something crazy. But, yeah. Uh, it's, pulled a Kenny Pickett? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, I don't know. The one thing I'll add, though, to this game that's interesting, yeah, it's 21 nothing Bills. Uh, Mike Florio yesterday mentioned that 
Mike Tomlin could, you know, take a break from coaching after the season with the Steelers. I don't know what you make of that, but I think that's relevant for what we're talking about here with coaching staffs and, and the Steelers and all that. Um, hmm. So what do, what do you think? Do you think he should leave? Do you think he would be – I don't know. I mean, I feel like – I feel like he – if he was going to leave, he wouldn't want to coach elsewhere. Like, I think he would right. just take a step back entirely. Because if he wanted to just keep coaching, he should just stay in Pittsburgh because he has a cushy job there and they're never going to get rid of him. Like more of an advisory but, role like a Pete Carroll? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's but, interesting. He's so young. I mean – Yeah. It'd be hard to think he just got, he would stay out of coaching unless he really just mm -hmm. took a break and like maybe took a year. But then you take a year off from coaching, you go back to the same team. That's a weird situation. You put like whoever the uh, head coach is going to be in your stead. Like that's a weird situation. I don't know. Right. That'd be interesting though. Uh, but I would just yeah, I would think that he wouldn't want to be away from football. Maybe he would just step back into a different role. But yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. We'll follow that. Yeah. Um. But that's going to do it for us, everybody. Appreciate you all tuning in as always, Mike. Before we get out of here, please let the people know what you got coming down the pipeline and what they should be looking at. All right. Let's see. Uh, the first ever weei.com. Patriots mailbag in the Gerard Mayo era drops tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. WEI.com. So check that out. You can read all that. Uh, same as always, WEI.com coverage, Six Rings podcast over there. Check out that feed. Give us a follow. Give us a sub if you'd like. And follow me on Twitter for SpongeBob memes and Patriots takes at Mike Cowley. Uh, so, yeah, that's about, that's about where you can find me. Awesome. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you all for tuning in. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Enjoy the game. 